Hey, this is going to be a different kind of podcast because I'm going to do several mini podcasts about my book, Unlikely Fighter. Really excited to get that out there. It's a memoir that tells my life story, but at the 22 chapters, the first 21 all happened before I turned 16. So it's a very interesting, and my family was violent. Matter of fact, the Denver Mafia, the Small Dones, had nicknamed my uncles the Crazy Brothers. So when the Mafia thinks your family's dysfunctional, it's not good, right? And uh, my family was not organized crime at all, but there was a lot of disorganized crime and uh, a lot of violence. That was their... That was their thing. They were fighters. And we lived in a part of town that was a very high crime rate and a lot of gangs. And my family, in a sense, was a gang. And they just loved to fight. They loved to fight. I think of my Uncle Bob. He was not a bodybuilder. He was a pipe fitter. But he was bigger than the rest of my uncles. Uh, He looked like an offensive lineman. Uh, he was a pipe fitter, and he was the only one at his job that could literally move 500-pound pipes around. So this is a, a man with freakish strength, and he loved violence. He loved to fight. And one night, uh, he was at the bar with a friend and the bar owner, and they were getting plastered, and they ended up in the parking lot and sitting in his buddy Doug Johnson's uh, car, I believe it was a yellow Porsche, and somebody that was crazed, jumped up on the hood of the car, and my Uncle Bob said, get off the get off the car, and he gets out there, and he, you know, kind of throws the guy up against the building. Doug Johnson realizes what's going on. He goes after this guy, and they just start fighting. So my Uncle Bob and Mike, the bar owner, are just cheering on Doug as he's fighting this guy. Well, it's getting dark, and they can't see it first, but then they foc- focus their eyes, and there's blood everywhere. Well, this guy that was fighting Doug Johnson, had a knife, and he was stabbing. He stabbed Doug Johnson several times. Well, they run over to rescue their friend, and the the, uh, drug-infused crazed guy, they found he was on drugs later on, stood up and stabbed the bar owner. And uh, then went after my Uncle Bob. My Uncle Bob swept his leg and then tried to create some distance to draw him away. The guy ends up hiding on the other side of the bar, and my Uncle Bob is running full force around the back side of the bar. The guy's looking the other way toward the parking lot. My Uncle Bob thinks his friends are dead or dying. He takes his huge hands, and he just slams this guy's head, running full speed against the bricks, and just start pounding this guy. Well, cops come, and when the cops come, he's covered in blood. And he's still pounding this guy. Well, he didn't realize that the guy's heart had stopped. So the cops try to arrest my Uncle Bob. He ends up throwing one on the hood of a car and starts fighting them. And then they all come over, take my Uncle Bob, and, uh, you know, throw the cuffs on, take his boots off uh, because they were covered in blood, maybe for evidence. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to get blood all over the cop car. And he's sitting in the back of the cop car. He's looking through the window, and he sees these guys trying to resuscitate uh, the guy that had the knife. And he realizes, I killed this dude. His heart has stopped. Well, a cop pops in and says, hey, you're being arrested for manslaughter. And my Uncle Bob falls apart. And in the back of that squad car, he had actually become a Christian as a little kid. But in the back of the squad car, uh, he just surrendered himself fully to follow after Christ. And he found out the next day that they were able to resuscitate the guy's heart. uh, And the guy was, you know, came back to life. And they found the knife on him. And both of his friends survived. 
So he was released, but he was released as a new man with a new mission. And that mission was to reach as many people as possible with the gospel of Christ. And uh, the church that he started going to was led by a pastor whose nickname was Yankee, even though he spoke with a southern accent. He's a recurring character throughout my book and throughout my life to this day. Uh, and Yankee uh, gave Bob the challenge to start a bus ministry for little children. Now think about this. Here's this big bruiser guy that's going to go door-to-door on Saturdays. Back in the 60s and 70s, this was a big deal. I mean, churches would send out school buses uh, to apartment complexes and trailer courts uh, and just, you know, invite children to come to Sunday school. They talk to their parents and get kids on Sunday school buses and take them to church. This doesn't happen as much nearly today for obvious reasons. Back then, it was a thing. And my Uncle Bob, his goal was to get over 100 kids, to be the first school bus captain to get over 100 kids on his bus, and he did. And then a year later, he was at Florida Bible College, and it graduated from there, changed the trajectory of his entire life. As I think about these stories, and I got a lot of stories of violence in my book because my family before Christ and a little bit after Christ was pretty violent, but I think of this verse in Matthew eleven twelve. Where Jesus, speaking of John the Baptist, says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. Now, there's two different ways to interpret this, and translate it, actually. Some of the translations are like, you know, uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now, you know, violence has been perpetrated on the kingdom of God, and violent men fight against it. But really, that's out of context because Jesus, in the verse before, says, Among uh, men born from women, there's never one risen greater than John the Baptist. And he's really holding John the Baptist up as an example. And then he says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. I don't think this is talking about violence against the kingdom of God. I think it's talking about the violence that the kingdom of God, forceful men and women, uh, are forcefully advancing God's kingdom. And again, our battle, Ephesians 6, 12, is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities, against powers, against Satan. So there is a sense that we as Christians are soldiers. Matter of fact, Paul refers to this several times, once in 2 Timothy 2 and obviously in Ephesians chapter 6, where we are warriors against Satan, not people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our problem is not with people. Our problem is with Satan, and we are in a battle for lost souls. What I saw in my family is that violence that was against people, once my family came to Christ, they took that same forceful violence against the kingdom of darkness so they could rescue people from being on the highway to hell. And it was something to behold as a kid to see that utter transformation. You know, every once in a while, I'll see those flashes of a violent temper in me. You know, uh, maybe it's in traffic or maybe I see somebody do something, right? And I, I have that switch that will flip. My, my whole family had a kind of a kill switch and they just go from zero to enraged in no time, right? And I'll never forget when I was attending Colorado Christian University and just starting to date my now wife, Debbie, uh, 31 years we've been married. She's awesome. 
just starting to date her, and there was another guy there that started liking her, and he was a bodybuilder. I am obviously not a bodybuilder, and he was crazy. He loved to fight. He reminded me of my family members. And he started, every time he seen, saw me, he would punch me, you know, and I mean, and it, I mean, it hurt. And I remember, you know, I called at Christian University, looking down the hallway to make sure he wasn't there. It felt like I was back in middle school. And one day I said, you know what? Forget this. I'm from the hood. I do know how to fight. And I'm not going to be bullied by some dude at Colorado Christian University. What in the world? And I remember I was going into preaching class one day. And I was all suited up because I was going to preach a sermon. And on my books, and I walk in, and Bruce is there with his buddies. He trips me. Again, middle school. All my books fall. I pick them up. I'm standing by this staircase that goes down to where I got to preach in one of the classrooms. And I had had enough. My switch had been flipped. And I go, hey, Bruce, you ever trip me again or hit me again? I will rip your leg off and beat you with a bloody stump. Which is the wrong thing to say to Bruce. He dropped his books. He charged me. He picked me up over his head, threw me down a set of stairs. I grabbed him. And he came down with me, and somehow I landed on top, and I was like, aha, well, that didn't make him happy. So we stood up, and it was literally blow for blow down the second set of stairs, and a teacher had to pull us apart. It was a real fight before preaching class in my suit. But I held my own, and I was like, we'll finish this later, because I was done. And then I remembered this was my old family life. This is the way of my family, B.C., before Christ. And I started getting convicted. And I began to pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with Bruce because I was sure he wasn't saved. And one day there's a little cul-de-sac in front of the dorms. There's a basketball hoop. I was shooting around. It's getting dark. He comes out. He goes, hey, can I shoot around with you? He was actually nice to me. And I'm sure. So we start talking. I'm like, hey, Bruce, I'm sure, go I'm sure glad going to heaven is not by being good because I'd be going straight to hell. He goes, you'd be going to hell. I'd be, I'd be carrying the flag, leading the way. He goes, man, if Jesus didn't die for me, I don't know what I'd do. Well, I'm realizing, man, he's a believer. He's just struggling with stuff. We hear this big pop on the street above us. There's a little hill and a street, a busy uh, street. He goes, hey, let's go see if somebody blew a tire in their car. I go, okay. So we did. Uh, sure enough, a girl across the street had blown a tire. And so he goes over there, goes, hey, we'll help you fix your tire. He gets the spare out, and he's lifting the car. I mean, he's this big dude. So I start sharing Christ with her. We're standing outside by the trunk. He's watching the whole thing. I mean, he's lug nuts and just locked in. And I said, does that make sense? She goes, yeah. And I said, would you trust Christ right now? Yeah. She put her faith in Christ. By then, Bruce is done. He goes, hey. He goes, you're now a Christian. You need to grow in Christ. I'm going to start going to church, and I want to take you with me. And she goes, okay. And so he got her number and invited her out to church. And we went back down, and Bruce was a whole new guy. And I said, hey, Bruce, can we stop and pray for her? He goes, let's do it. So in that same cul-de-sac where that basketball hoop was, we got on our knees, and we prayed for that girl. And I'll never forget standing up, seeing the tears come down his cheek. And he hugs me, and he whispers in my ear, dude, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And he pushes me back, and he says, you tell anybody I hugged you, tell anybody I cried, I'll kick your butt. I'm like, don't worry about it. I will share it on podcasts across the nation for years to come. I tell you that story because it was a way of violence, the old way. But Bruce's way, that new way, the way that I was able to engage with him, that was violence against the kingdom of darkness. Man, our family learned that lesson, the power of the gospel and the real fight 
is not against flesh and blood. It's against the prince of darkness for the souls of a lost generation. Hope you enjoy my book, Unlikely Fighter.